The introduction for the Jay and Keith show is currently under construction. We appreciate your patience as we strive to build a better podcast for tomorrow, today. our uh, third show, Keith. It is our third intro. I don't know how you feel about that. Three shows, three intros, and guess what? Mm-hmm. We're going to have another one soon. Yeah, the fourth one will be the last one for a little bit. That's, well, that's what we hope. Yeah. What we hope. I, I don't want to get too... Um... The fourth one will be the last one okay. for like a month, maybe? If, does we'll it last see. a month? I think it lasts a month. Uh, I hope it lasts a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, uh, if, if not, then we didn't make it a month, and that's not good. No, it's not. We get fired already. Somebody, somebody came in here and just like got fired on my day off. Yeah. That sounds right. You, sounds you, right. You know, Jake. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So uh, we're still employed. That's good. Uh, we've made it a couple shows. Gainfully uh, so. Keep it. Yes, fact, that's true. It's true. Yes. Uh, it, it got paid. Uh, you didn't because you you started late, so you won't get paid October. Uh, you didn't get a September check yet, did yeah. you? I don't think you did. I thought I thought I did. Maybe you did. Attaboy, I think I did. Keith. Atta boy, Keith, way to get paid. I thought yeah, you had to Look how at about you. That? All right. All right. I don't know why I'm paying you. Anyways, here we go. Um, let's talk about, uh, well, we got to talk ETSU Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Southern Conference stuff. Got to talk Southern Conference stuff. Yep. Um, I guess it for today. Uh, bold predictions recap because really there's nothing to recap, so that'll take 10 seconds right. and, we can, and we can get over it. I mean, you got a long one that's kind of going, but the other one. Yeah, I have a long play that that is still in play. It, there were a couple times where it almost wasn't still in play on Saturday in Spartanburg, but it is still in play. Well, let's talk about uh, ETSU Chattanooga. You're on the TV calls, on the radio call. We've talked very sparingly, as I like to do uh, uh, when I had another guy that was uh, you know, mm-hmm. on the show with me, mm-hmm. just to save some of the takes and thoughts for, yeah. so it's fresh and we can you know, bounce off one another. But obviously the scripted opening drive to start with, big third down conversion. And it was the only third down conversion of the game, which I didn't realize till after the game. And I was looking at the stat sheet, and it was one for whatever. And actually, I think I misspoke and said it was the second third down was converted. But then when I went back and watched the game film, uh, it was the first third down. The third play of the game was the only third down conversion ETSU had mm-hmm. in the contest. But it was a 10-yard throw uh, to Noah West, then a big screen play. Sailors hit for a big run on the outside. They give him a breather. Bryson Irby leaves somebody in the dust uh, with a sidestep move, and all of a sudden, ETSU up 7 nothing. and what you could not have scripted a better 6-7 play. Maybe the first play a throwaway, other than that. Good. The part that stunned Mark Hudson and I the most was, I mean, we thought, okay, ETSU is in for the fight of its life against Chattanooga up front, and the first 10 plays, the plays that you script for a game, ETSU was blowing Chattanooga off the ball like three or four yards down the field. It was just really impressive to watch those guys get push uh, up front. It was not something that we necessarily expected, certainly not something we expected consistently that early in the football game. But as things went along, you saw Chattanooga's talent start to come through. Uh, I think they made some adjustments schematically to create some more opportunities for guys like Jay Person to get uh, disruptive in the backfield and, and, and be a problem. And I almost feel like they used Devontae Maxwell as a little bit of a decoy to get the, the attention of the offensive line and, and the offensive coaching staff. And be like, you got to account for this guy. And then they've got two or three other dudes that are really, really talented that can disrupt and, and get into the backfield. And that's why Person got so many sacks for him on Saturday. Yeah, I, 
you know, you sit there and ETSU got off that quick start with the first drive. Then the defense starts to make plays. Yep. And they get down the field, and all of a sudden it's 10. Then you have the miscue of the bad snap, and all of a sudden it's 13 nothing. and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, you know Chattanooga's going to hit back at some point. And really ETSU held them at bay until the fourth quarter. And I know the drive really started the first mm-hmm. touchdown drive Chattanooga in the third and ended on the first or second play of the fourth quarter. But it really – kind of got to that point and you know yeah. first half sometimes things are deceiving etsu outgained chattanooga 190 to 68 chattanooga had minus five rushing yards at half now a lot of that came on that uh, botched snap from the yeah punt. a 40 yard loss on the on the snap and then yeah. chattanooga in the second half though 271 yards of offense etsu just 44 yards of offense in the second half and it just flipped mightily and it was one yard of net offense in the third quarter and you look at it, they ran nine plays, right? They ran six designed runs and three designed passes. Two of those ended in Tyler Idell getting sacked. So in, in the net, you because sacks are counted as rushes in college football, none of us like that. But in totality, you ran eight you ran the ball eight times and you gained one yard. And we talked about the need for ETSU to be able to win up front to beat Chattanooga. And you saw in the third quarter that the success they had in the first quarter did not sustain itself. And when you don't sustain that success up front, it derails your entire offense. And if Rydell doesn't have the time to get the ball out or uh, Sailors doesn't have a hole to run through or Irby doesn't have a hole to run through, then how good they are. And I believe they're all good. They're really good football players. And what plays you call don't really matter because... Your defense, the opponent's defensive front is winning in the trenches. And as the game went along, Chattanooga started to win more in the trenches on the defensive line. And ETSU's defense, which played its butts off in the first half. I I just, we cannot let that be understated. ETSU's defense looked fantastic. They played with a ton of energy. They had opportunities to make plays on the ball. They capitalized on some of those plays or opportunities to make plays on the ball. Unbelievable pick by Elijah Hudsey at the one-yard line. Would have loved to see that be a touchback and what ETSU could have done from that situation, but still a fantastic play. Takes the ball away. Takes a scoring opportunity away from Chattanooga. Chandler Martin was unbelievable. Jalen Porter played pretty well. Um, And uh, I even asked Jalen about you know, what, what it's like to have a freshman like Chandler Martin in there making him back. He just smiled and said, yeah, he, he's, he's awesome. He doesn't say a lot, but he brings a lot of energy with the way he plays. And uh, those guys played about as well as you could ask them to play. But when you're on the field for 12 minutes of the third quarter, that's going to wear on you. And they got tired, and Chattanooga was able to open up some holes against a defensive front that was just, you know, they, they'd given it everything they had, and they were just worn out by the end of it all. And that's why Chattanooga was able to open the throttle up late. I mean, you look at Chattanooga's first half drives, right? They um, attempt a field goal, move down the field, nothing. After each issue, score touchdown. Then you got the yeah, the Bad punt. snap on that. Yeah, bad snap on the punt. Yeah, very. Uh, on, yeah, that's right. The first uh, field goal attempt was a high snap, and it got actually kicked into the backside of the, the, the line. Yep. Uh, which I almost forgot about, so you just said that. So you had a high snap on that. Then they go uh, three plays and punt. Then you have the INT at the goal line by Elijah Huzzy. Then you have the bad snap turnover on downs. Mm-hmm. Then you have a punt, and it's halftime. So you look at um, you know three plays, no yards, have to sit on it there the last couple. But that's the first half for Chattanooga. ETSU, 
Takes the opening kick, seven plays, 83 yards, touchdown. After Beautiful. missed Just field goal attempt. Flawless execution of the game script. Just perfect. So seven plays, 83 yards on the first drive. Nine plays, 52 on the, on the second drive. So you think about that. 16 plays mm-hmm. and 135 yards. Out of, what did I say? Out of, out of one night. So 135 out of the 234 in the first 16 plays. So you yep. could do some math there on your own if you want to. I, it makes my head hurt. I don't want to do any more math of that. So ten nothing, in ETSU after the interception uh, on the you know half yard line, three place punt. It's hard to you know, especially in a ten nothing game. I think it's hard to to do a lot there. Mm-hmm. Then ETSU on the on the the bad snap, four four plays field goal, but three plays negative four yards before you kick uh, the field goal, and then underrated play I think the opportunity to get more points on the board before halftime the first attempt there was a false start Keltner's kick actually hit the upright went in but still false start back it up then he misses the 51 yard uh, attempt as Mm -hmm. opposed to the you know the 46 yard attempt and so that took points directly off the board instead of 16 nothing at halftime how does that change things and then you look at the second half Chattanooga gets the ball, and then they fumble it on the first possession, which mm-hmm. was originally not even picked up by the crew. Uh, instant replay went back, saw it. Matter of yep. fact, us in the boot – I don't know if you saw us in the boot didn't see it. Robert on the field said, hey, guys, that's a fumble. And so we're like, what are you talking about? And then we had to look at the replay. Like, oh, it was. It was because we we're on the far uh, – we're on the yeah, near side. It was we, on the far we saw the beanbag and the scramble and like, wait, did the ball come out? I think the ball came out at the end there. And when you saw the replay, it was clearly out. And that's, you know – it's tough to see that ball in a mass of humanity. Referees are human. They make mistakes. We might talk about one later in this broadcast that made some some headlines nationally, but um, that's what video replay's for, is sometimes you miss stuff that just seems glaringly obvious. Replay calls it back, says, hey guys, we think this is wrong. We want to take another look at it. Uh, there was another one later that was scored as a, a fumble on Tyler Rydell when he got hit. It was a strip sack. Uh, it was originally ruled as an incomplete pass. They came back and looked at it and overturned it, and that was a little bit more of a... Um, I would have said that's a little bit more of a 50-50 call, but when you slow it down, his arm's clearly not moving forward. So that's, a, I mean, that's fair. Um, and it's within the rules. It's what the rules are for. And that's what the technology's for. And yeah, that, that had another opportunity to really flip momentum in the game. And ETSU began a string of three and outs with that series that lasted well into the fourth quarter. First five possessions, okay? First five possessions of the second half. Three plays, six yards. Three plays, negative five. Three plays, no yards. Three plays, negative four. Three plays, no yards. So 15 plays, minus three yards, and you have the ball for, in essence, six minutes, seven minutes of game action. As they say in the Midwest, oofta. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That's what they say in Fargo. It's just an exclamation. It's just, it's, it's it's like saying oof or woof. It's just oofta. Well, uh, it's a Norwegian thing, I, I think. I, yeah, sure. I, it should be something because that was not uh, what ETSU clearly um, was hoping for, was looking for. And again, things happen. But all that being said, ETSU still had a shot because right after that, as we talked about all these three and outs, Chattanooga got things going. They got a field goal uh, yep. mid third quarter. Then they got their first touchdown, star of the fourth. Then they got another touchdown. Then they have the play. Which you're thinking, boy, ETSU has had about all the breaks. There's a punt, takes an awkward bounce to the right, hits a Chattanooga player. ETSU takes over mm-hmm. at the 31-yard line of Chattanooga, gets a first down, and then stalls 
gets a field goal, mm-hmm. but still a field goal. I think that was the, the the theme of the game. And ETSU at that point down 17-16. You're thinking, well, if Chattanooga scores, you at least got one more opportunity mm-hmm. and yet another one-score game for ETSU. But Chattanooga took six minutes off the clock, 12 plays, 75 yards. They go up 24-16, to and ETSU just 110 trying to go the length of the field. Let me ask you this, because Mark, Mark and I were talking about this in the TV booth. Um, should Do you think Chattanooga should have gone for two on that last touchdown? Because I, you're already up seven. I speculated that as well. Yeah, because you're up seven, so an extra point ties you. You trust your defense if ETSU goes for two for the win. Uh, and you can go for two, and if you get it, you win the game. And if you don't, uh, you're still up seven, so you can't really, you're not really in a position to lose. The only thing that we kind of banter back and forth because in NFL, a lot of times teams will go for two in that situation. If, yes. if they're instead of go up eight, like, hey, we're going to go up seven, they're probably going to kick it. The question is the way that game was going if you're Chattanooga and you don't get it. And ETSU scores. Do you run the risk of them with all the momentum at the end going for two, as ETSU did against Kennesaw State, where I think a lot of people thought they were going to kick at that point in time because it was a minute left and a couple other factors. But I speculated the same thing and said, hey, now the crew shot me down a little bit. And I was like, no, because you still have to score and you still have to get the two. And I get Mm -hmm. that philosophy. Uh, But also if you get that, a two-score game, at that point, I mean, it is over. Yeah. You've stepped on their throats. And my philosophy's always been, you know, like Herm Edwards, maybe it's not timely since he just got fired at Arizona State, but you play to win the game. And do the things that give you the best possible positive outcome and don't worry about m- mitigation of outcomes because if you are aggressive and you believe in your players and you believe in your system, then those things will take care of themselves over the course of a football game. So I, I would have gone for it. It didn't really matter in the end, but... Uh, I thought that was a very interesting situation that uh, that Chattanooga found themselves in and ultimately a situation where they won the football game. And, and Jay, I mean, if, if I had asked you, if I told you before the game, Chattanooga's going to win, it's going to be a one-score game, 24-16, would you have necessarily been just completely shocked by that outcome? Not knowing how it happens. No, no. no. If, you, if you just said ETSU-Chattanooga play a one-score game, and Chattanooga being the favorite could possibly win it by one score, I would just shake my head and go, that's that's plausible. I I think the way Chattanooga won that game, for one, it shows resilience on their sideline to be be in a situation where you're not executing, the other team's making some plays, they got some energy on defense, uh, and then you compound that with bad special teams execution. And it was bad special teams execution. I mean, there's no way to spin it. For them, um, you find a way to score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and win that game. And I think from our perspective, from the ETSU perspective, it's the way that ETSU lost to Chattanooga that hurts the most. Where you come out, you punch them right square in the nose, um, you're doing everything right, you're winning at the line of scrimmage, You know your defense is playing with a ton of fire and, and making some great plays. And Chandler Martin was awesome on Saturday. So much fun to watch. Um, you build that you build that lead into halftime, and then Chattanooga comes out and Bing Bong mocks win. It's just that's what really I think left a lot of people feeling ex- especially salty about that football game, and not just the fact that we all hate losing to Chat because we all hate losing to Chat. Everybody hates losing to Chat. 
I'm sorry. I'm, I just, I'm still trying to recover from that. Um, I can see you writing fractions. I don't know if that's a coping mechanism or what. Uh, I'm just trying to do some quick math. ETSU in the first half of five football games has scored 103 points. Okay. 33 points in the second half, 27 of the 33 in the third quarter, ah. six in the fourth. Now, two of the games – they're blowing people out, and third stringers are in the game in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. Mars Hill and Robert Morris. And you could probably take some of those scorings out in the first and second quarter if you want. But you're still talking about six fourth quarter points. And before Saturday, it was three. And before Saturday, it was three. And you had given up 13. So 13 to three, you were being outscored in the fourth quarter. You got 21, not going to fourth quarter. I would like to see, and I don't have enough time today just because i had some stuff to do but by wednesday i may have a breakdown complete breakdown of first and second half because it seems like etsu has had pretty good to um great success depending on what game you're looking at but has struggled mightily the only game i could think about where they had more success uh, maybe moving the football in the second half would have been the citadel and that was only because they had three first half possessions and honestly i don't even know if that's true because they got held fourth and one on the first possession when they went right down the field. Then they went three and out. Then the second possession, they scored a touchdown. So I'd, I'd even have to go back and, and look at that. Um, but ETSU, you, if I said, hey, um, Chattanooga's going to kick a field goal under their own backside because of a bad snap. Mm-hmm. ETSU's going to intercept the pass near the end zone. They're going to force a fumble at midfield. They're going to have a bad snap that puts them in the red zone automatically on a turnover on downs and a punt that hits off the backside of a returner that gives you the ball at like the 35-yard line of Chattanooga, and you don't turn it over. You miss a field goal, but you don't turn it over. You probably think at least three touchdowns out of that. That, That's, I mean. Three touchdowns and two Three scores. Okay, sure, sure. Maybe it's 17. But that's what I think certainly, uh, you know, is – is kind of gut-wrenching, and, you know, sometimes people don't give the other team enough credit. Chattanooga made a bunch of adjustments, mm-hmm. able to squeeze down into it offensively because, and you know, and it's real easy to say, man, you know, the defense just, you know, they just stink in the fourth quarter. Just look at it. Well, if you give five three-and-outs exactly. with, with a minute exactly. break, I mean, you, you don't have to know a lot about football to know that your defense isn't going to be quite successful. Like, it's not hard to figure that out at any level, college, pro, you know, whatever it may be. So, defensively, though, they're forcing turnovers, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elijah Huzzy, third interception in five games. They're trying to throw at Elijah Huzzy. Why, I still do not know, but teams are still throwing. I, maybe because he's on an island more is the only thing I can figure out, but he's, he's been in single coverage against a receiver that's typically taking a lot of deep routes and teams want to take shots, and he wins 50-50 balls. That's so, pretty much it. But yeah, uh, Chattanooga had the ball for 18 minutes in the second half. That's uh, going to take a toll on any defense. Yeah. I mean, in the first quarter, ETSU 12 rushes, 99 yards. Chattanooga entered the game just 99 yards, giving up rushing. So, yep. ETSU got there quickly. It didn't go well from there. Will Huzzy, uh, four receptions for 40 yards. He's now tied career catches with uh, Chris Beatty with 125. Keltner continues to yeah. uh, an onslaught. He's now 109 for 109. He has 244 points. He passed the great Jerry Chapman for fourth all-time on the scoring list. Mm-hmm. ETSU and Chattanooga, perfect in the red zone. The difference is, though, one team had touchdowns, another team had, you know, field goals, because yep. every time ETSU was in a red zone, 
they got field goals because their lone touchdown was a 36, I think, yard run by Irby. Uh, off the top of my head, I probably can look yes. that up. Yes, career-long 36-yarder for Bryson Irby. So, and again, Irby made a strong mm-hmm. move uh, in the hole. So, it's it, there are things where you're like, okay, offense is coming. Offensive line can clearly make some plays, move some stuff. Now, I didn't have enough time again because – we're trying to move to a, a three-day podcast again, a Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, so we can get you an extra day to listen to our preview going into Saturday. But Coach Coral said something curious. Um, again, just didn't have enough time to get the bite. But basically that he talked to Adam Neugebauer, the offense coordinator, about trying to play conservative went up 13 nothing, yeah. And so – I get that kind of early, and I get that when you're on your one-yard line after a half-yard line, whatever it was, with the Elijah Huzzy. But after things got going, I'm wondering, can you flip a switch and turn mm-hmm. it back on? And I get, you know, you didn't want to do anything crazy, but still that that was a very curious comment that Coach volunteered himself. Yes. He wasn't even that asked That was his about. opening comments in the press conference. He says he told Adam Nugabauer to not do anything crazy that might give them a, a chance to get back in the game. And, um, I mean – you know, if it's it's Chattanooga and it's a SoCon football game, I, I just I've watched so much SoCon football over the last three four years. It's just every team is going to get back into a football game at some point, unless you are just like mo- most teams just don't put together four perfect quarters in such a way that uh, any lead is safe, unless you get into the thirties. Right out of the set, right out of halftime, the way Mercer did against Wofford, they just stomped them um, all throughout that game. You, you know, you're going to have games that are fourth quarter games that are down to the wire, especially in this series. The last three games were decided by a total of 11 points. You know that that was going to be tight, and um, you know it's it's something that it's easy to say in hindsight. You know, you got to keep your foot on the gas, but. Um, also there are opportunities to execute that, uh, you know, players missed. And also the other team has some great players too. Those guys are on scholarship and they made some really impressive plays, uh, to disrupt ETSU's offense and, to, and to stall them out in the second half where they were able to put pressure on the Bucks defense. And eventually, you know, guys just, you know, that deep into a football game, sometimes guys just don't have the legs and so that's where lanes open up in the run game. It's where receivers get open down the sidelines. Um, the way that, um, oh, who was it? It was um, uh, Jamoy Mays got open a couple times, just down the sidelines, lots of space. Was able to score, obviously, the touchdown for Chattanooga uh, and was really good in that football game. That happens when you just you get tired and the other team has good players that can take advantage of fatigue. Well, the first third down conversion by Chattanooga was actually on a 15-yard personal foul penalty by Devin Brantley. Correct. Then the second third down, so the first true first down uh, off a third down, they converted on third and long and uh, third and 11. Then they converted to medium range, third and six, third and four. Then you move to not converting any in the second quarter, all third and longs, third and nine, third and 13, third and 10, third and seven. In the second half, where ETSU started going three and outs and the transition started to happen, all of a sudden, Chattanooga converts a third and five. They convert a third and seven. They do not convert a third and 18, so the Bucks were able to hold on there. But then the last four are conversions. So four out of uh, – what is that? Six out of seven 
conversions. Third and three, that one you expect manageable. Third and six, they scored the touchdown on the maze in the corner, in which they had a random pass interference penalty on the defense, which yeah, uh, that would have been a backbreaker even if the ball wasn't caught. Right. Then a third and 12 picked up, and that's where clearly I think the legs showed a bit of weary. And then a third and four, and a limb forward was able to get uh, three yards there to get the three yards needed. So as the game wore on, oh. to your point to the legs – I think you started to see things happen. And we're also seeing – read those distances off again for me. Third and third and what? Third uh, – starting at the top, third and seven, 11, 10, 5, 6, 4, 9, 13, 10. So the, the second half was what? Second half, it was thir- – that's, that's what I wanted to say. All right, half. all right, all right. Third and seven, okay. third and five, third and seven, third and 18, third and three, third and six, third and 12, third and three. Third and five, third and six, third and three. I mean, they're gaining some yards on first down, even if second down. I mean, one of their two plays isn't going anywhere, but they're still getting themselves into situations where you've got three or four yards that you don't have to get. And you look at ETSU, and I think it's a lot of third and nine, third and ten, third and eleven. Um, and we talk talk about the Bucks going one of fourteen on third down, and we were we were all over that last week. Is if you are behind schedule in the weather and it was coming down in buckets in the third quarter, you will struggle to stay on the football field if you get behind schedule, if first down isn't effective, if second down doesn't get you much. You could struggle to stay on the field. And Chattanooga had to get themselves into some short or reasonable yardage situations where, I mean, you have a play for third. You don't want to run a play for third and six, but you have a play for third and six if you're an offense. And Chattanooga can run that and execute it with confidence, especially against a tired defense in the second half. So uh, we see a lot of that where Chattanooga was able to not necessarily get ahead of schedule, but stay on schedule consistently throughout the second half. And ETSU struggled to do that. And that just compounded things on both sides of the ball for the box. Chattanooga on third and one to four yards, mm-hmm. three for three. Yep. ETSU, 0 for four. Yeah. 0 for four. And I believe most of those were in the first half. And the the um, the reverse to Notch Carter was one. They tried to catch, you yep. know, they come out of a timeout, and they were trying to catch Chattanooga sleeping. They did a great job. Chattanooga did staying um, – you know, uh, true to their keys, right? Had mm-hmm. good eye discipline, didn't let all the window dressing get them. Cam Brown, the, the cornerback, was able to come make a play. The third third down for ETSU was a third and four. Tried to throw a pass to Will Huzzy. Didn't get that to go. The other, let's see, third and four in the third quarter. Now, that one was big because that was the first drive ETSU had. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a chance to move the chains. It was third and four. Yep. Uh, Jacob Sailors with a carry from ETSU's 12. Didn't get anything. The only other third and short was late in the game uh, with a minute 10 to go. It was third down and three. Uh, and ETSU uh, incomplete on that pass to Jacob Sailors. You want to talk about SOCOM football now? You ready to talk about SOCOM football? I think I'm ready to move on from this. Let's, let's put, this one on the back, on the back, put this in the back of the frame. Not over, Keith. Here it comes. I don't know why I made this uh, score bed very happy. 
Very happy score back. Yeah. Happy score back. It's over now. I was hoping for us. I still hope for the snare hit there. Yeah. Something like that. All right. So anyway, the, the game outside of ETSU and chat everyone was concerned about Sanford Furman. Yes. And for Furman, it was a great start. They jump out to a quick ten nothing lead in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lapro kicks a field goal. Then it was a ten yard pass from Jace Wilson. There was no again Tyler Huff with that left elbow injury. Mm-hmm. Wilson to Harris. It is ten nothing. And then here come the Sanford Bulldogs once it turns to the second quarter. Now, they end up getting a touchdown from Michael Ayers to Jay Stanton. Extra point, no good. It's 10-6. to And then the next drive is where the controversy happens. There, You want to break this down? You, you, what, how, do you, how do you want to do it? So, um, because the league has come out, but we'll talk about league, that in a second. The we'll, league has made a statement about this. So, there was a play. It was a pass out in the flat to a receiver, caught. Um, I don't actually know the names of all the personnel involved here. Uh, Chandler Smith was a wide receiver. Chandler Smith was a wide receiver. He gets hit as he's pulling the ball in, and the defense, the defender just rips the ball away from him and has clear possession. It's an interception. It's visible. It's readily apparent to the naked eye. It's an interception. On the field, it's called a catch. Uh, then they take a look at it, and they say the ruling on the field is overturned. It's an interception. And then... That should have been the end of it, but apparently they took another look at it. They went back to video replay and gave a catch to Samford, and Samford proceeded on that drive to score a touchdown, and it, it is not inconsequential that Samford won that game by seven points. I, when I saw a couple national sites were like, hey, this was reviewed, and then for some reason re-reviewed, and it went to Samford – the offensive team, somebody please explain this to me. And it was like from a national site. And then I'm yep. like, well, let me go look at it. And then I start watching it, and I'm going, okay, yeah, uh, interception, you know. And I'm like, okay, what, what, what's the problem? And then I go back and I look, and then I watch the whole thing. And it is very confusing mm-hmm. and not getting anybody really tell you what went on. But Southern Conference has a statement, which is – condemning it but yet didn't say a lot to it actually added more confusion i think i can read the statement verbatim it's not very long okay uh southern conference statement on officiating after review of a play in question during the Furman sanford football game on october 1st the southern conference's coordinator of officials believes there were significant errors in the officials approach and final ruling the conference has enacted disciplinary measures for the officials and will have no further comment on the matter end quote from the Southern Conference office. Which still leads to more questions. Like, uh, what, what are what disciplinary actions have you taken? What are the issues, what are the errors that were made in officiating? I think you can lay those things out for people. And, and we would like to know that. You're not under any obligation to do it, but I think it would. we would like to know it. It would help project an air of transparency in this whole ordeal. Because it's not, yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the league's fault. Right, I mean, this is nobody. Nobody is looking at the SoCon and wagging their finger and going, "Oh, you got to." This is, you know, officials made a mistake in applying the rules, and that mistake happened to have very profound consequences for an important football game in the Southern Conference. Um, the SoCon doesn't owe us an explanation, but an explanation would not be unwelcome. I mean, 
it goes back to a lot of ETSU fans in the spring COVID where there was a personal foul penalty on Furman mm-hmm. that was marked off the wrong way. Instead of backing Furman up 15 yards, it was marked off the wrong way, and they were trying to get Randy Sanders' attention to say something to the official who he was not because he worried about offense and it was against ETSU defense. By the time he tried to say something, the next play was a touchdown for Furman. And then the league had to come out and send something. Now, they didn't discipline anybody, but they did send, and Randy Sanders did show it to me, the league saying, this is unexcusable. You you can't call a penalty, you know, point one way and mark off the 15 yards the wrong way. Um, and so it was just one of those, like, we're screaming on the broadcast, doesn't help. So, um, Furman, we feel your pain uh, on something like that that has happened. But it does seem to – just my question is, what were the steps that they that led to all this? Because if originally it was a Sanford catch, somehow didn't they review it and go, no, 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 yeah, it's Furman's ball, you know, makes sense. And, and then, then they, they come back yeah. and like, ah, you know, after we look at it again, you know, is there a rules to a catch that I'm unaware of? Because to to, to me, the play and you can go watch for yourself. It's like the eight thirty mark or something, second quarter, give or take. Yeah, it's about and, ten minutes to go in the second quarter. Yeah, ten minutes to go in the second quarter. So. Uh, the play it looks like is going to be intercepted by Furman and then he goes to the ground with it and then Chandler Smith the wide receiver just kind of you know tries to take it away from him try jockey for position whatever you can to get the ball back right and uh it was Ivan Yates was the was the uh defensive back number 22 so Yates is the guy um and you're right right around the 10 minute mark uh but it looks like that Yates has the ball, goes to the ground as an interception. And, and has, he has the ball. Like, it's very clear on camera. He is in <laughs> possession of the football. And Chandler kind of goes in there. And, again, that's what a lot of guys do, right? You try to rip the ball away, try to get whatever. And it looks like then at that point they're kind of wrestling for position. It's similar to Buck fans when Elijah Hussey made the catch on the interception and kind of slides in the end zone and then the wide receiver – after he slid down to a stop, grabs a hold, and they're rolling around the end zone, it would be the same thing if they said, you know what, we've looked at it, that's touchdown. Like, mm-hmm. that, that, that's the exact same thing. So before, I know a lot of people are mad because Furman didn't mark off the penalty the wrong way. I keep trying to tell people that. Like, yes, Furman was a recipient of that, but Furman didn't mark it off the wrong way. Um, put yourself in that shoe before you, maybe you hammer Furman. They deserve it because, you know, we got – ETSU got screwed a couple years ago or whatever. Like, get over that part of it and just look at if Elijah Huzzy's interception would have somehow been ruled a touchdown, what in the world would William B. Green Jr. Stadium have done, especially against Chattanooga? Maybe it's maybe it's different because it's Chattanooga and, you know, Sanford Furman, not quite that rivalry. But still, mm-hmm. like, just try to put yourself in that shoe. So the fact that all that has happened is – and that was the first touchdown drive for Sanford. She's talking about sw- uh, swapping the whole – I thought it was the second touchdown drive. It was the first touchdown drive. She's talking about swapping momentum. That just completely changes the complexion of the game. And then it goes from 10 nothing to all of a sudden 20-10 after Jay Stanton catches that pass. Then Jalen Thomas, a couple of touchdown runs of 28-14 yards. Furman does answer. Ryan Miller – the tight end extraordinaire catches a touchdown pass on a 70-yard drive right before halftime. So you got a, you got a, you got a Donnie Brook going on. Yep. 20 to 17 going into the third, and then Jalen Thomas with a touchdown airs another uh, touchdown pass. This one to Trans Reno Jr. 
And then the Prove gets a field goal, and with two minutes to go, Joshua Harris, a touchdown pass from Jace Wilson. And Jace Wilson in relief has looked great. He struggled a lot last year, new offensive system, but he was asked to throw the ball 59 times. And I know they've switched the offense slightly. They don't do really any of the three-back or, or at all. And he threw for 329 yards and three touchdowns. But I don't know that Furman football needs to be throwing the ball 59 times. Now, again, late, I'm sure they're yeah, chunking Yeah, you throw it, it that much because you're down late. I, I mean, there, there's some of that. But they still ran it 38 times. And, again, it's a typical game uh, with Sanford where everybody has like 100 plays each because it's – kind of how Sanford does it but Furman was able to move the ball up and down the field um, and Sanford again got out gained by a good bit but the most important thing for them yet another win their Mm -hmm. defense gives up yards somehow they give up just enough points that it doesn't matter that the offense can win and right now Chris Hatcher kind of moving his squad into that top three talk with Mercer and Chattanooga there is a very clear top three, I think, at this point. Uh, now, obviously, Furman could Furman is in a position where they could bounce back from one SoCon loss and be right back in the fight. They don't need to let this game beat them tw- or this team beat them twice uh, when they go at it uh, next week uh, against the Citadel. But uh, and, I, and I think you know probably playing the Citadel in Charleston that's probably a good opportunity to get right. You're going to be mad about the way that game transpired. And you're going to come out fired up and you're going to sock a team in the mouth that just got ripped by Appalachian State and you're going to be back on track. Uh, but I, I, I do, I believe this at the beginning of the year when Sanford beat Kennesaw State at home. I was like, okay, team might be decent. And they didn't play well against Tennessee Tech. They found a way to win that game. It's like, okay, all right. You're never as good as your best. You're never as bad as your worst. I just saw your worst. You're obviously better than this. So you're probably a pretty good football team. And I don't know that Sanford is quite on the level of Chattanooga and Mercer, but I do think they are good enough that on any given Saturday they could take a game off one of those teams. No doubt. And you're right. They do have everything in front of them. Sanford still got to play Mercer and Chattanooga. Mercer and Chattanooga also are going to see Furman on the schedule. So a lot to be decided. Nobody's out of it yet. Certainly a blow um, considering how the first touchdown happened, but if you're Furman, you got to be able to figure it out. I know you got Western and VMI pulled up there next because we're going to see VMI this week. Can we talk about Mercer? Yeah, I can. I want to talk about Mercer. This team, like we talk about. Uh, have y'all met Keith Brake, the Bears fan? I don't know if you have, but he's uh, this, welcome, welcome to the show, Keith. That was that first half was simultaneously the best and worst 30 minutes I've seen the Bears play all year. They scored what 21 points, I think, in the first half. They turned the ball over twice. Just careless fumbles. Um, Fred Payton got away with what, against a, a defense that's probably got a little bit more explosive athlete playing linebacker, is a pick six. Uh, throwing to his right, you know, in the flat, maybe four or five yards past the line of scrimmage in the red zone. If a, if a linebacker or safety jumps the route for ETSU or Chattanooga, which they, are, they have plenty of athletes that can do it, uh, they're going the other way and they're gone. So, I mean, that, that would have been a touchdown that completely flips the complexity of the game. They got away with some stuff against Wofford uh, on Saturday, and they still won that game 42-7. to um, Harper is a – I am all aboard the uh, Devron Harper All-American train. I think this guy is legit. He's just, he's just so freaking fast. That I mean, you could talk about his route running ability, or you could critique things. That, that, and I don't even know how good of a route runner he is because it doesn't matter. 
because he could just torch the pants off of any defensive back in the league. He's, he's really, really freaking fast. And that allows them to do so many different things offensively. Um, yeah, I think it's a really good team. I think it's a team that's that's got the ability to win the Southern Conference. I think this is a team that if they handle their business the rest of the way, has a chance to maybe even sneak into a seed at the end of the year if they do, in fact, win the SoCon. And um, it's a it's an interesting team to watch, to say the least. Peyton was 20-25 for 330 and a couple of scores. And then you mentioned Harper. Two carries, 11 yards and a score, seven receptions, 126 that, and two scores. That failed pick I was talking about, that was a, that was a completion. He, he put that right in between two defenders and threaded a needle to a, a receiver. And it probably should have been picked off. But he got away with it. And that's what I'm saying. Mercer got away with some stuff, and they were able to cruise in the game. Wofford wasn't going to challenge him a whole lot. They'll need to tighten some things up when it comes time to play the the, the bigger teams in the league, the teams that are going to challenge him for a title. But also, I still think Mercer's pretty good. I think this is a pretty good team this year. Mercer did give up uh, three sacks, uh, a couple of fumbles, as you said, just to nitpick something, uh, just because they've been so fundamentally sound. For Wofford, Jimmy Warrick coming off the career day uh, or school record day for a lot, just 154 yards on 19 of 32. Uh, Kyle Parsons, 17 carries for 59. It was Austin Douglas. Yeah, Warrick uh, didn't get a lot of help. No, uh, well, he, and, he, and he's not and he going won't. to. Yeah, and no. people are going to key in on um, Landon Parker pretty much. It's, right now seems like the only legitimate threat down the field. A lot of guys coming out of the backfield to catch the pass for Wofford, not going to get it done, but – Rushing the ball, it's still by committee. Uh, Al Wooten, the second. Austin Douglas, share uh, for most carries with 12. Justin Coleman had six. Brandon Marshall, Parker Robley, all these wingbacks and the wing tee uh, principles that yep. they run and all the different counters and things that Mercer does. It's it's by committee. They don't really – you know, a lot of people thought losing the big horse uh, tailback last, from last year's squad that, you know, what are they going to do? Well – Coach Conklin or Chronic has just said, "Well, I got all these good guys. We're going to roll them in and out and run a bunch of different plays." And there you go. And besides Devron Harper, I mean Ty James is a guy that's got five touchdown catches on the year as well. Fred Jackson can make plays down the field. Mm-hmm. Again, as I mentioned, Brandon Marshall and Parker uh, Roble—they are wing guys that catch coming out in routes too. So right now, Mercer feeling really good about themselves. In a couple of weeks, ETSU will be down in Macon. Certainly, Mercer's got that game scheduled because they were a missed field goal away from going to overtime and a possible Southern yep. Conference championship. So, no one's going to do ETSU any favors. But I don't want to talk about Mercer because that's two weeks away, and next week's opponent is VMI. Whoo! Back and forth early, and then Western Carolina wore them out. And it was, you know, Western jumped out to seven nothing lead. Carlos Davis is back. Had a monster game, three hundred thirty six yards, four touchdowns. Did throw a couple more picks. He is, tends to take chances. Well, uh, when when your when your philosophy this this thing is Kerwin Bell's identity for that team is always on the edge. You are always playing at the absolute maximum of your capability. You're always playing aggressively down the field. You take chances. You're going to make some mistakes. You could almost call it like the, you remember the magic school bus, Miss Frizzle. Take chances, make mistakes, get messy. That's Western Carolina's identity. They know they're going to give up some points. They know they're going to give up some yards. So why not go after the quarterback? 
with everything he got. See if you can force a mistake. See if you can get the football out. Why not take shots down the field? Try to take the top off a of defense with the speed that you have. Uh, I, I think their whole identity lends itself to putting up big point totals and winning games like the one they won against VMI the way they won it against VMI, which is, yeah, you turn the ball over a couple of times, but you take, you get, you hit so many home runs, you get so much sudden change that you just, it doesn't matter in the end. It doesn't, in the end, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it was a 14, 10 game until the five minute mark in the second quarter in Western Carolina rattles off 17 unanswered the rest of the second and all the third and then when VMI thinks, you know, maybe I can get back in it, we score only down 14, need a stop. They get a 60, what is that, a 69-yard pass from Carlos Davis to the very speedy Raphael Williams, who may be the fastest guy in the league. Mm-hmm. And uh, he runs by the defense, and it's 38-17, and a big win for the Catamounts. They get a big league win, and uh, just a few teams that uh, don't have league wins, uh, Wofford, ETSU, uh, VMI right now. I believe the only teams with that wins. Do we know what VMI is going to do at quarterback? I mean, I, I, Morgan played a little bit in the second half of that game, I believe, and, and Colin Ironside struggled. He was very up and down. He VMI. is not, and I don't, you've probably not seen a lot of Colin. Colin is a, really a runner. Um, yep. And, yep. and Seth Morgan's really the, the thrower, but they're just trying to figure out how to, Make plays, and I think VMI is a little bit like ETSU. Not quite sure they know what they want to be offensively. They're just not really anything right now, and they're just so depleted personnel-wise because they've had so many departures through the portal the last two years. But I watched Morgan in the spring of '21, and I was like, "Oh man, this guy's a baller!" Like he just went out there, he didn't overthink things, he made plays, and now I guess he got nicked up a little bit, and maybe that's robbed him of some of his ability to get out of the pocket. But whatever it is, like he just. He just has not had it this year. Ironside's not not quite to that level yet. He's a sophomore. I mean, you don't expect a ton necessarily. But uh, at the same time, VMI just, I don't know, something about that team screams overmatched for me this year. And, and Scott Wackenheim, great football coach, Eddie Robinson Award winner, has done about as well as you could possibly ask someone to do uh, in, in that, that small Virginia town or that small Virginia military institute um, you know, it's not a big student body. Most of them play sports. A lot of them play football. And um, it's it's a challenging job. Scott's done a good job there. Uh, but we're seeing the limitations, I think, historic limitations kind of catch up with VMI after he built a couple of really strong teams. Yeah, and Ironside, uh, actually a Tennessee native, uh, grew up in Knoxville, went to Knox Beard in high school. Yeah. And that's been actually a, a place that uh, VMI's had great success recruiting the mm-hmm. Knoxville area. But I think, you know, I thought Leroy Thomas, um, you lose Jacob Harris, you lose Michael Jackson. Leroy Thomas was kind of the third guy in that group. And he's a local kid, Pat, Patrick Henry High School out yeah. of Roanoke. I thought possibly uh, would have had an opportunity to make a bunch of plays, but nothing. I mean, he's got one rushing attempt. He's got seven. One carry se- for two yards against Western. 17 receptions he had a he had seven against Cornell but I don't know if teams are focused in on him but I mean Bucknell he only had, he had two catches three yards I think it's inexcusable I mean I, th- I think he could be the guy I thought he would have maybe the breakout that we saw uh Michael Jackson have last year <laughs> and you know between him and Jerry Rice the references were were a lot uh 
Jacob Harris, you know, we saw what he could do, and, and he's Richmond, but Michael Jackson was the guy that really last year kind of took over. The real reason I think they upset, what was it, Chattanooga or whoever they upset with a, a couple long touchdown passes there at the end of the end of the game. But they've really, other than the Cornell game, they've had a hard time getting them involved. I don't call five catches 29 yards involved. Mm-mm. I certainly don't call two catches three yards. Three for 44 against Western's a little better. But I think they got to get him six, seven, eight. Ca- you got to do what you can to get Leroy Thomas. I think the football for for VMI. They did beat Chattanooga in overtime last year, thirty-seven, thirty-four. That's what I thought, and I think Michael Jackson had a couple big, big, big catches where he got oh. behind the defense. So uh, that's why we like Keith. He can uh, he can hit those high notes for you. So. Sorry, just tell him it's human nature. All right, you got anything else on the Southern Conference? You look at the well, look at the standings here real quick, um, just so I can make sure. There are uh, three teams at two and zero. Oh. Yep, Mox. Bears, Dogs, and then Furman with the Paladins. I've never played a Paladin in Dungeons & Dragons. That's the one class I've never played. Uh, Western Carolina, the Citadel, and then VMI, Wofford, and ETSU, none of which have a conference win. I'm sorry, it's not good. Not good. Okay. You were, were, yeah, you were lost in space there. Were you thinking, like, when I said, you got real quiet when I said Dungeons and Dragons. Well, you know, I don't know any of that stuff. Um, I don't don't really know a whole lot. If it's outside of sports, you know, music references, pop culture, um, Dungeons and Dragons, Pokemon, are you Pokemon? I can be. Uh, Yeah, so if you're a Pokey guy, uh, no, one of my sons like Pokemon and asked me questions, I have no idea what he's talking about, so... Well, yeah, this new generation is so, like, this, they're out of ideas. You get, like, Candlefar, and it's a candle, and then it involves into Candelabra Far, and it's a candelabra with three candles. And it's like it's just like they ran out of ideas. I really hope somebody knows what you're talking about. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't have a clue. <laughs> I just made that up. but that's oh, just, sounds good. It's just an example. See, like, I have no idea. See, you, you, you yeah, have all day, all day, no idea. All day. I mean, yeah, I got no. your Michael Jackson he reference. I got that. I got that. I can handle some of these references. Come yeah. on, guys! Yes. Yeah. Are you going to do the? Uh, was Aiden Hutchinson who did the uh, uh, Billy Jean? Uh, they, as a rookie thing, they made him sing, and he sung Billy Jean. Maybe uh, I don't in, know. in the Detroit Lion locker room, and in the uh, amazingly well, uh, yeah. and people sang along with it. Anyways, uh, we will break down on Thursday. Uh, not not this game. We will give it a ten second. Wofford at Sanford, but we will talk about Furman at the Citadel, Western Carolina at Mercer on paper. The only game that could be competitive is ETSU VMI. If you look at it on paper, I think it, right? lo- it looks that way on paper. I, I will be very intrigued to see how Western attacks Mercer because that is the oh, def- no, that's fair. Defensively, that's fair. Defensively, Mercer was fine uh, uh, on Saturday against Wofford. They were fine. Um, offensively, they were a little sloppy. They made some mistakes. If you do that against Western and you give them extra possessions, the ding, 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 the, the point total is going to go up pretty fast. Uh, so. Be very interested to see what they do there. Do I go Western Carolina? Now I'm debating. I don't know that I go that far. I'm intrigued to see what they do. I'm not going to plant the flag and say they're going to win. All right. Well, but you we'll know just, what? You might as well plant I mean, the flag. Say I they're going to win. We, Jamone, we got time. We got time. Jamone, we, Jay. We got time for that. All right, bold prediction recaps and uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Wilson. For those of you checking, did not score a touchdown. Did he? Did he make a catch? I don't even know if he made a catch. Uh, I'm trying to rack my brain. 
I gotta go look. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Isaiah Wilson one for did 14. Make a catch for 14 yards. He did. He was targeted a couple other times. Uh, yeah, one catch, 14 yards, was not a touchdown. Uh, right. Wofford, as you mentioned, if they had any human uh, that could play linebacker or cornerback, would have made an interception. I believe is what Key said, not what I said. I believe that's what Key said. I, I said if they uh, had ETSU or Chattanooga's caliber of linebacker or corner. Oh, I just, I guess I misheard you. Uh, um, but uh, no interception for the Wofford Terriers. And my uncle Dave would be talking trash to my uncle Steve with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, yeah, not so much. Okay. Um, <laughs> Less said, the better. Uh, you had Steven Scott tackle for a loss on a limb forward. Uh, from what I tried to rabbit hunt a minute ago, I did not. I did Steven not. Steven Scott did not have a TFL at all and got injured in the second half. Yep. So he did not. Um, UC Davis road win. You want to talk about that for a second? Do we have to? I'll let you talk about it. Uh, so I was fairly confident. I I did not realize that uh, Montana had a quarterback that had transferred in from Wyoming, uh, which Brent Vegan used to coach and knew the strengths and tendencies of very well and was able to maximize that. And Montana state smoked UC Davis Aggies probably all but done in the playoff picture as a result of that loss. Yep. Uh, I would assume they would be as well. And then you have a one in four now, I think. Yes, they are one in four and you have a long-term uh, take going, which out of uh, the first week for the Terriers, I'm going to look at the right. We, we looked at that schedule, didn't we? Uh, not Terriers. The, for, the Bears. The Bears. For, for, uh, they have, yes. Mercer plays five games in October. They played the first one. Peyton mm-hmm. went 20 and 25 mm-hmm. with no interceptions. I was ready to come in here and like kind of rub your nose in it a little bit. It's like, oh, yeah, he, he only had five incompletions. That's really hard to have an interception when you only have five incompletions. Uh, but also, like I said, he got away with a couple on the first couple of series for Mercer that I don't know that he gets away with against ETSU or Chattanooga. Are you going to lose your mind? So the next game is West Carolina. Mm-hmm. He goes unscathed there. He somehow survives ETSU and Chattanooga. And then finally he throws an interception BMI. against BMI on October 29th on his ninth game. Are you At that point, are you, are you just assuming it is stacked against you? The deck is stacked. It's a conspiracy at that point. It's like it's like everybody thinks that NASCAR's fixed and Formula One's fixed. Be like, yes, Fred Payton's interception numbers are fixed against me. It's a conspiracy. All right, that's going to do it for our show. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday. What are we talking Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday, we're talking about more football. We'll have some quotes from around the world of sports. with say what? And we might hear from a coach at East Tennessee State. Not a football coach. Well, actually, maybe a football coach. Uh, ETSU's got Virginia Tech on Tuesday. ETSU men's soccer, that is. Virginia Tech on Tuesday should be a fun one. And uh, also, shout out ETSU Volleyball. They won 10 of their last 11. Navia Jenkins has that team clicking. And uh, they just got the SoCon Defensive Player of the Week as well uh, with London Coffin. She's Defensive Player of the Week in the Southern Conference. So continuing to rack up individual and team success. All right, so lots to talk Wednesday. A lot of ETSU athletics. That's not football. On Jane Keith. Bye, Gators Sports Network. Bye-bye.